Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome back again to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. I'm Tobias Zimmergren, and I am here with Yusip Reune. What's up? Good news here. Uh, perhaps an announcement. I am going to Lapland. Uh-oh. Not permanently, though. So uh, we are visiting Lapland with the family for an extended uh, weekend in the near future. And, and So, so for anyone is... not familiar with Lapland and might not live in Scandinavia, where is that in relation to That's up Sweden, in the Finland. north. And, and so Sweden and Norway and Finland uh, we, all of these three countries have a place called Lapland and perhaps an image in your head forms that says Lapland mountains and snow and reindeer and Santa Claus. It sort of is that, but not really, no. And on the Finnish side of Lapland, which is about 800, 900 kilometers. So what is that? 500, 600 miles from the capital area, which is down in the south. Uh, the Finnish version of Lapland is a lot of wilderness, uh, a lot of nothing, a few cities, super small, no mountains, though, because all of those were left on the, on the Norwegian and, and Swedish side. So we sat down with the family to figure, okay, it's been a year since we last went anywhere beyond the summer cabin, and the summer cabin is just an hour's drive away. So we started thinking that perhaps it's not a great idea to travel just now, but perhaps we'd like to go somewhere. And then, then we had a look, well, Lapland. And my initial reaction was that, well, Lapland, I've been there too many times. But then I started checking my, my calendar. When was the last time I actually went to Lapland for a holiday? And that was 15 years ago. So I figured perhaps I need to see that now. So the plan is to go there, book a nice... Uh, hotel room that fits everybody nicely and just do the tourist things like the husky rides and seeing the reindeer and not really the Santa Claus. I don't care about that. The kids might, but I will tell them that they, they won't. And, and then enjoy that somebody else preps the dinners and breakfast for you and you don't have to spend any time in the kitchen. So that sort of, sort of is the only trip that we're doing for now. And, and it remains to be seen. But for now, it seems Finland is, is doing fairly well with, with the whole COVID-19 situation. And of course, if it worsens, we'll cancel it. But for now, it's looking like, okay, we're looking forward to it. Let's hope everything goes well. All right. Sounds good. So on that note, I am mentally preparing for paternity leave uh, with our second daughter. So I'm looking forward to some downtime as well and just spending Christmas time with the new family member. So hopefully that is... Uh, yeah, kind of recharge the, the batteries a lot. Um, so in, in Sweden, you get a lot of paternity leave if you want. So I, I could, in theory, be off almost half a year, more than that, uh, which, of course, is, is not ideal for me nor for the, uh, for the companies I work with. Um, so normally what, what you do is you take a couple of weeks now when the kid is born and then perhaps summertime uh, by next year, uh, when the kid is a little bit older, um, so next year would be then actually 2022 summertime, 
you can extend your normal vacation with a month or two of paternity leave to have a, a couple of months, uh, you know, summertime having a, you know, a, a good bonding experience with the kid as well. Uh, but seeing that we now work from home permanently, and I've, I've done that already for seven years or so, uh, you know, I get that time with the kids every single day uh, and they are home a lot and, and, you know, I'm always home. So going on a, a three month extended leave right now doesn't make sense because the kid will just be sleeping anyway. So yeah, that's a pretty cool setup. I'm looking forward to just winding down, going analog, shutting things off. And I might wait a couple of months before I bring the kid out into the wilderness to sleep under the stars. Might, might have to be a few years before we go on a hike. <laughs> Sounds very reasonable. <clears throat> so I can already imagine you sitting down on the sofa with the newborn, getting getting your new <clears throat> Samsung tab on the on the left hand, opening Netflix on that one, really enjoying the new device and perhaps the kid as well. Hopefully, yeah. Alrighty. So today uh, the topic is finding your way with Azure Maps. And we haven't really discussed Azure Maps at all before in any of the previous episodes. And I've now had a couple of meetings about something else with customers and Microsoft partners. And a few times somebody has mentioned, hey, we, we are looking at Azure Maps. Should we do this or that? And that got me into thinking that perhaps I, I should have a bit harder look on what's up with Azure Maps and should I use this? Because the last time I spent some time with Azure Maps, it was still Bing Maps. And I figured, well, I can use Bing Maps or Google Maps to find my way. And that's that's about it. So in this episode, we'll take a look at what it actually is and, and what's the interesting updates that, that happened very recently with Azure Maps Creator, which, which is a, a sort of an add-on to Azure Maps, the service. Have you ever used Azure Maps? I've never used it. And to be quite frank, I've not really heard about it either. I don't do a lot of geo mapping or any type of mapping software in, in my field. So I, I haven't used any of the different types of maps out there and, and definitely not the Azure maps. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about it today. Yeah, no, no experience with it whatsoever. So I might hammer you with a couple of questions down the road here. Sounds good. So I had a look at all of the documentation that's available, some of the code that's that's out there. And this is fairly specific, meaning that if you are in a company that's business is perhaps creating a, a, a service that's exposed to a web page, then no, Azure Maps might not give you anything. But then again, if you are in the business of transportation or weather or predictions or traffic or routing or public transit, all of those uh, could benefit from Azure Maps. And I'm, I'm not really upselling this. I'm more of uh, expanding the thinking here that Azure Maps is a lot of services uh, that that's also other things than just the mapping data itself. So to begin with, it's a collection of geospatial services and an SDK. So what you can do is you can uh, deploy Azure Maps and then you get a bunch of REST APIs. And through those REST APIs, you get maps. So those you can get as vectorized maps, so they scale nicely, or raster maps. And those can also include satellite imagery. 
So I perhaps wouldn't use Azure Maps for something like having a contact us page on the web page and then put your office in there and say, this is where we are. You can do that with, with Google Maps or Bing Maps more easily. But once you need to work with maps somehow and you need to treat maps as data, then the REST APIs come in fairly handy. The, the next thing is creator services. Let's talk about that in a bit because uh, it's, it's a separate topic in a sense. And perhaps of, of interest is, uh, Toby, do you, do you have a GPS device in your car, like an external device, or does it have a built-in thing? So right now I have a built-in thing. I used to have external devices that I could plug and play into any car if you want by putting it on the windshield. Uh, those days, I guess, are gone because most new cars come with built-in GPS. Yeah. So routing is something that most people who own a car, let's say a fairly recent car, uh, routing is something that people are familiar with. You often do point to point. I am here. I need to get to that McDonald's over there. So do it for me. I don't want to think how, how, how I'm driving there, even if it's my home city and I know most of the streets by name. And uh, so it has routing for point-to-point, multi-point as well. That's, uh, the multi-point is something that my car that has a built-in uh, GPS and, and infotainment system, it lacks the multi-point. So you cannot do waypoints, meaning get me from here to McDonald's, but then I actually want to get there. So optimize those both routes. I first have to get to the McDonald's and then uh, restart the routing and say, well, now I'm at the McDonald's, so get me there as well. And there's no optimization happening between those three points. Uh, what it also could be used is for commercial traffic. Uh, so if you're hauling stuff, let's say from Helsinki to Lapland, there's multiple ways to get there. And, and depending on if traffic is, is influencing that or if the weather conditions are, are doing something with this, perhaps there's a maintenance work on, on one of the main roads. So all of this data you get through the routing API. So, um, so this is yeah. actually something that reminds me, um, I now Christmas is coming in and a lot of the packages that I've ordered for the family and the new kid and, and things like that, we do that online to avoid going into the shops because 2020 is a strange year. Um, what I noticed is a lot of these delivery companies, they have something similar to this, but probably not Azure Maps then. But they, you get a link, you get a text message saying, hey, click this link to follow your driver. And then you can see he has seven more stops before he reaches you. And then he has an optimized route that he is driving by. So you can actually see where he stops, not the address, but the area. And you can see, okay, now the estimate is about 26 minutes before your driver and reaches your doorstep because there's now three more deliveries along the route. So they also get this planned route uh, in their system on a big tablet in their car. So they just drive to the next place and then the, the tablet says, well, now I'm calculating the best, best thing. Okay, there's traffic jam over here. So actually you should deliver to number two before number one, you know, kind of reverse it. And I guess this would be an ideal scenario to use something like this. If you're building a service like that from scratch, using Azure Maps could be a way to do that, to kind of have the, the smartness built into the routing. Definitely. So unless you want to create your custom <clears throat> custom algorithms, this, this would give those to you. 
So it also includes uh, the traffic flow, how fast are we actually actually moving with all, all the other traffic, uh, and also public transit information, when is the next bus coming, and real-time arrivals. And I hope that's not Microsoft Minutes, because then you would say, well, <laughs> I'm arriving there in 45 minutes, no, minus five minutes, no, two billion minutes. Uh, also, what's part of Azure Maps is time zones, which I think are fairly static, but there's some changes every now and then. So that should be updated through there and geolocation services. What's interesting is they also build digital elevation models. So any point of interest globally can be pinpointed with the elevation model. And I think they use satellite data to say, okay, so you want to see this mountain in Lapland. So the, the height of that relative to your location is this. And last but not least, it also includes geofencing. And this was something I recall already hearing, uh, hearing back when we got Windows Phone, perhaps in 2009, the first, first real versions. And geofencing allows you to react when a device is outside the boundaries that you set geographically or perhaps somebody is accessing a certain location, then you need to do something. And this is actually something that I've been thinking of building, and now I actually know how to build it, with geofencing, is that close to my house, I can see is a tram stop. But by law, I cannot put a camera on my balcony to, to film that tram stop, because then I could actually see the 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 deviance between the trams, are they up to, up to the schedule or are they lagging somehow? So with geofencing, what I could do is I could get the public transit information and then I could say once a tram is close to this location, I need to leave home in order to make the tram in time. So this is perhaps something that I really can build now. So beyond the REST APIs, there's two SDKs. There's one for web and one for Android. I couldn't find one for iOS. So I think uh, Apple is not enabling external mapping software. I'm not deeply familiar with those restrictions, but the web SDK allows you to do rendering and it supports JavaScript and TypeScript. And the Android SDK allows for creation of mapping apps. And then you can of course utilize all of the REST APIs as well. So some of the interesting bits here, I did mention briefly the weather service and what they have in there, they have something called the real feel temperature. And I think you have that in Sweden as well, that if you watch the, the, the weather forecast for tomorrow, it might say it's going to be plus two Celsius, but it feels like minus five Celsius because of the wind factor and chilliness factor. And yeah, th I, this is very common. Um... And, and we recently had a discussion with someone I know who, who lives close to Lapland, actually, but not as far north. And they usually have minus 15 to minus 20 degrees, but it doesn't feel that cold because they don't have the winds and they don't have the moist from the sea. Yeah. Whereas down here, um, you know, we live just on the, the shore pretty much by the sea and, and we get the, a lot of winds and a lot of moist. So when it's only one or two above Celsius, it feels that then real feel is a lot colder than the minus 15 uh, up north because it gets to you, like it gets in everywhere and it's really cold and, and shivery. 
so I guess that that is the real feeling. You usually see that in the weather apps we have here as well. And then there's also the UV index, perhaps in the summertime here in the Nordics, that's super useful in the winter, not that much. And also there's one API uh, in the weather service called Get Weather Along API. So if I'm traveling from here to there, I can get the weather, how it reflects my travel and the time that if I'm at this city at that given time, what's the weather going to be then? So that perhaps I can prepare or use an alternative route based on the weather as well. And then there's get past current and future radar and satellite data for a given location. So a lot of interesting things with something as boring as weather and traffic. But then the big update that was uh, uh, announced just a couple of days ago is the Maps Creator service, which is now in preview. And again, we'll, we'll, make, we'll put the links in the show notes. And what this allows you to do is create apps that work with indoor map data. So think office space, think industrial complexes, think storage facilities. You can pick up your existing AutoCAD design files, convert those as indoor map data. And then you can do vector-based maps that represent those spaces with real-time data as well. So obviously, if you have a huge office space, the weather shouldn't at least affect the indoor space. But if you have IoT systems, perhaps you want to check how weather uh, applies to air conditioning or cooling or, or, or heating or temperatures or moisture, then you can combine that IoT signals, and I would envision you to use Azure IoT Hub, of course, get all of that data from the IoT uh, sensors, combine that with the Maps Creator service and the weather service. And now you can query all of that indoor data. How's the temperature in all of our offices? Has it changed? If it did, what happened? And should we do, should we anticipate this, let's say for next year somehow, perhaps optimizing the cooling or heating systems uh, in retrospect? Yeah, I, I like that. And, and I like the integration points with uh, AutoCAD and, and other tools like that, where you might already have done the hard work. You might, if you're, if you're a company and you, you have the blueprints of, of the entire building already set up and you need to kind of integrate the smart nets with IoT devices, you already have the designs for that. So most of that bulk work is kind of done. Now it's about mapping that or connecting that to the map service then in, in a nice way. And I like this, that it's not reinventing a new visualization, not reinventing a new type of, uh, of mapping, but using these as existing technologies to, to kind of visualize and uh, enable you to build your, in this case, indoor um, like floor maps or whatever it is and, and put your points of interest or whatever you call them, your IT devices um, on those maps and, and getting the visuals. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I really like this approach that you have the, the core service Azure Maps and then the Maps Creator service that allows you to fiddle with the indoor map data as well. And then there's support for Power BI, of course. So you get visuals to Power BI, you could create your custom dashboards and then again, get all of the data and have that reflect on the dashboard as well. So once again, you don't have to custom code a web page just to show something of interest you can simply leverage the Power BI capabilities and, and uh, inject all of the data through there. 
So how do you get started? Super easy. You create an Azure Maps account in Azure Portal, and that gives you an authentication key. It actually gives you two keys, the primary and secondary. You can use either one, just like with storage accounts. And then when you have the key, you start either using the REST API or the SDKs, and you start sending or querying uh, data. But one thing to note here, and it was openly documented, but it was in between everything else, all address and location queries that you do with Azure Maps are shared with TomTom, the company that builds, among others, the, the GPS devices. But they are sanitized and anonymized. So it's not like when you query for the location to the closest McDonald's that TomTom will get advertising data. Oh, you so much to go. Oh, Tobias to likes burgers. burgers. Yes. So let's <laughs> let's do this. But I, I think this is uh, because of an agreement that Microsoft is relying on some algorithms or some mapping data that TomTom already has. And they are then uh, forced to share those queries back to TomTom so that they can better whatever data they already have with additional uh, data in that sense. And on this note, the mobility and weather services integrate with two companies, MoveIt and AccuWeather. And the latter one, I think it's super big and they already use Azure quite extensively. So TomTom, MoveIt and AccuWeather are three companies that are getting your address, location queries, uh, weather services and mobility uh, data, not the details, but sort of the sanitized data, whatever you work on that. And this might be something that might affect on your plans on how do you use this perhaps for a high security facility, for example, do you want all of this data to be related to a third party as well? Yeah, makes sense, valid concerns. And, and lastly, pricing. And this is fairly simple, but not too simple. So you have two tiers, standard S0 and standard S1. No free tier, so just S0 and S1. And S0 is for small-scale deployments. S1 is for large-scale enterprises. So most probably, you and I, Toby, we need to start with S0 for our home offices to map those first. And you get some free elements like 250,000 transactions per month for maps and traffic, but you can only do 50 queries per second for S0. So I, I had a look, well, how many QPS can you do for S1? And it cleverly says more than 50 queries <laughs> per second. Uh, and the price, it's going to be uh, 0.42 euro per 1,000 transactions for S0 and 4.2 euro per 1,000 transactions for S1. So wow, S1 so, so 10 is, times as much. It's 10 times more, but it gives you a lot more. As an example, it gives you the spatial operations, the geofencing, Azure Maps Creator, Elevation, Mobility, all of those are part of S1. And S0 gives you the basic mapping data, and that's mostly it. All right. I, I think that's interesting. And, and I'm looking forward to see what people and organizations do with this. Um, I haven't seen... Azure Maps, I haven't read about it. Um, what you just described has enlightened me a bit about what it is and, and potential use cases. So I understand where it could be uh, applied. 
and it's going to be very interesting to follow and see what organizations are adopting this and uh, yeah, kind of embracing Azure Maps and see what kind of solutions come out of that. It, it does sound like something that has a lot of capabilities. We recently spoke about Azure Space, and then we also had one episode on Azure Farm Beats. And I feel all of these Azure Maps, Farm Beats, Space, they are all industry solutions. And unless you operate a satellite or a family of satellites, there might not be much you can do with Azure Space, even though there's other angles, uh, angles as well as we spoke previously. And I, I think it's super exciting that Azure is expanding to these different industries. And for Azure Maps, I, I feel that the use case here is for companies needing advanced mapping and traffic and routing data for perhaps their internal solutions or, or their backends that help them make better algorithms, for example. And it's not about having a nice web page for people to, to find the closest McDonald's. That's already been invented. So this is something more advanced and I'm still anxious to try this out. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to hear more about it. Alrighty. Thank you again for tuning in and until next time. All right. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.